listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the Pueblo market. This is actually something that Jenny and I have uh, actually have a longer history uh, when it comes to doing this than, you know, than just doing this podcast. Because actually, Icor did a bus trip down to Pueblo in December 2018, and we were both on that bus tour, Jenny, and that was our first meeting. And now fast forward yeah. four, what, three years later, and now we're talking about expanding into Pueblo and learning the market. How about that? It's come full circle few years. <laughs> so it's just, it's just very interesting. I think, and you know, you kind of just the connections and it really is like a, a small community, but talking about Pueblo, why are we talking about Pueblo, Jenny? We get a lot of questions from investors that are curious into the Pueblo market. Um, and quite frankly, I, you know, I find it to be interesting as well. I don't know a whole lot about it, admittedly. Um, you know, I, I spend, all of my time learning about the Colorado Springs market. So I wanted to kind of take a deep dive into an economic look as to what Pueblo can mean to a real estate investor. Great. So I know you have done some research on here. Uh, we got some stats, you got a deal or two to cover. So we're going to talk about this, but also we're going to share this on the screen in the YouTube video and blog post. But when you were when you started it, where do you even start as you're exploring a new market, Jenny? Yeah, so I, I like to look at two different things when I'm looking into a market. The first one being, what's the value of my property going to be? Um, is it going to retain its value? Is it more fluid? Is it on an upward trajectory? Where is that property value going? And then the second being, what is my tenant base? What is driving them to be able to afford to live in this property? What type of jobs are there? Um, you know, basically the, the top line on my PNL, um, where, where is this rent income coming from and the stability of that rent income? So those are kind of what I use to look at a new market. Um, so that's pretty much how I frame this, uh, this presentation to kind of dig a little deeper into that. Sounds good. I'm excited to, uh, to hear about it. <laughs> All right. So I did want to, just as I kind of mentioned, um, I, I find that the value of the property is important and then it's revenue performance, um, as a rental is important. So, uh, I think that we should first kind of go over what the related metrics that we're going to discuss throughout this presentation. And I learned, um, you know, I never really looked into the housing price index before, which might be elementary to some people. But um, for those of you that are unaware, as, as I was up until, you know, a few weeks ago, um, the housing price index is, it's a, basically measuring the movement of single family houses. That is a weighted repeat sales index, measuring the price change in repeat sales. So taking those same homes and seeing how the, the price has changed for those same homes. So it, it is an apples to apples comparison. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and it's only on mortgage transactions for single family properties with Fannie or Freddie. 
Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was a really interesting way to, to capture that data. All right, so HPI. HPI, so. So let me repeat that there. So you're saying what makes this, I think, more a uh, more valuable index is that it's taking the same single family properties and watching the repeat transactions, repeat sales, repeat mortgage amounts. So it's keeping the same properties and tracking over the last 40 years or 50 years. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on the economic situation for prospective tenants, we looked into a couple of different metrics um, for one being employment by industry, the unemployment rate, population changes. And then of course, going a little bit more in the weeds, median rents that we're seeing down there. And then the percentage of rents to monthly income, which um, that's a metric that I personally pay a lot of attention to because in a way it's basically affordability um, for people. And it's something I know you guys have heard me talk about it in the past that I I pay a lot of attention to for, for my rentals in Colorado Springs. So before we move on the next topic, I, I got to ask you one thing on HPI. So yeah. you learned about this two weeks ago. I learned about this two <laughs> minutes ago. Part of me says you knew nothing about this. When you started investing years ago in Colorado Springs. Did a great job. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be overthinking it or is this more just a way to quantify it? Like, cause there's the, Hey, you took action and did it. And it still worked out amazingly <laughs> well for you. So this is the, you know, uh, measuring up against a gut check, I guess. So, you know, my, my investing in Colorado Springs was kind of more, uh, or less scientific than what we're going about on here. And, you know, I don't think that my personal gut means a whole lot to people out there. So let's put this into quantitative detail. (laughs) That's where I'm going with that. Very fair answer. I was just, it popped (laughs) in my mind. All right. So we have a housing price index chart here for for those of you that are just listening. And I went back and I captured Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and then the national average um, on a quarterly basis from the end of 2010 to the beginning of 2020. They didn't have, uh, or excuse me, the end of 2020. They didn't have anything for the beginning of 2021, but I imagine it's uh, probably even. an exponential gain uh, from what we can kind of see on this chart. Um, But basically the key takeaways that I'm seeing in comparison to the three markets is that the prices on all the three markets are continually trending upwards over the past 10 years. Um, So that is interesting that they all have the same attributes in that way. And then of course, over the last 10 years, Pueblo has a lower HPI, which I view as cost to enter the market than both the national average and Colorado Springs. So one of the things to go back to your question from from previously is one of the things that attracted me to Colorado Springs is that it had a lower cost to enter. Um, Now that's not so much the case. It's a pretty high cost to enter at this point, but kind of going back on those, you know, initial, uh, you know, uh, viewpoints from years ago, because it had that lower cost to enter, I felt a little bit more uh, uh, encouraged by the possibility of it being a good rental market. Um, And Pueblo also has a lower cost to enter. So that to me is what kind of stood out in this chart. 
So I'm going to speak this so I can digest it and also make sure everyone else follows along. So you got, you got the three lines, National, Springs, Pueblo, across a 10-year period. The National's on the top, Springs below it, and Pueblo's just below Springs. And they both mm -hmm. kind of start out flat and then go up, you know, a, a slow rolling hill. So National, 10 years ago, was about 325. Now it's about 475. When you entered Colorado Springs, it was like, what, about 175? Or I'm sorry, it was about 175 in 2010. Pueblo was just over 150. Now, fast-forwarding, yeah. Springs is at 300. So almost doubling, and probably double at this point from 10 years ago. And Pueblo is up to, what, just above 250, 260 right now? Yes. So they've all mirrored each other on that upward trend, but um, I did not... I expect the Colorado Springs to have a uh, a bigger price difference than the Pueblo median price. Me too. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, for sure. And then, but I think that the next slide will shine a little bit more light okay. on that. So I wanted to show a year over year HPI change because it was a little hard to read just the the line graph that, that we just kind of showed. Um, so what we have here is we have each market showing a year over year change from, so this year minus the prior year, what the change was and what was interesting. So, um, you know, I entered the market in, in Colorado Springs in 2016 and that was actually below Pueblo, believe it or not. Um, so Pueblo had a higher growth uh, in 2016, but between 2015 and 2016. Um, then for the next couple of years, Colorado Springs jumped quite a bit, but so did Pueblo. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, it's kind of a dark horse in terms of uh, home value changes, um, just something that you know I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to. I was so in the weeds. Um, in the Colorado Springs market. But I think it's also important if we look at the both Southern Colorado markets collectively, they have exceeded the national average in terms of the year-over-year -year HPI change for the last five years. Yeah, that's the interesting that jumped out to me was that right around, what, 2016, it looks like? Both markets, I mean, while they, you know, Colorado Springs and Pueblo bounce back and forth, they were every year higher than the national average. Yep. Which and then, doesn't surprise me now seeing headlines and seeing how the market's <laughs> been panning out, but it's really good to see it. Yeah, I think that is just really, uh, you know, positive, speaking positive for the whole Southern Colorado market right now. Um, and then to give Pueblo some props here, since 2018, um, it was actually had higher growth than, than Colorado Springs. So that was fascinating to me um, in that regard. So I thought that was uh, worth highlighting. Um, and then again, it still has, since Pueblo's index is lower than Colorado Springs, which I'm implying to mean a lower entry point, and the rate of increase is reflecting higher, um, that to me is just uh, pretty interesting. And I think that it is something to definitely be on the lookout for. Because that's what we're looking for as investors is something that steadily gains value. Okay, actually, let's go on to the next slide. That's actually what I wanted to talk about. 
Okay. So the next question that a lot of people yep. are asking. It's <laughs> exactly what pops in my mind. What are people doing for work? So I actually found, I, I you know, cited it on, on here, this amazing website that split it in a very visual way of uh, showing what in the employment um, industries were. And I did it for both Pueblo and Colorado Springs. So we won't run through everything here, but I would say that it's not too different in the sense of, you know, just looking at it visually and in terms of percentage of the total employed population, the industries are somewhat similar, um, I think. So, I mean, I'm going to read off a couple of things. This is, you know, it, it makes, I, you know, the it shows the words bigger in the areas with more. So both have a lot of healthcare and social assistance, educational services, retail, trade, construction, accommodation. So one of the things that, you know, I say about Colorado Springs, because I, I often view Pueblo as a, a less robust economy than Springs or Denver. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know the exact data on there, but just, you know, driving in both cities and knowing general things, you know, Colorado Springs has a lot of federal and military spending. I don't see that listed on here. Yep. So this excludes the military presence on here. How much of a, how much does that matter? Do you think? I think it matters quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately we don't have the data for that, but people <laughs> tend to think that, you know, military is a stable presence in any, any city for the most part. Um, so I think that that kind of de-risks some things. But I think you could also argue because it's not captured in Colorado Springs, it's also not captured in Pueblo because we hear anecdotally, of course, a, a lot of military members that work at Fort Carson but want a lower cost of living. So they'll drive the 30 minutes from Pueblo West or the north end of town. So uh, it is interesting um, in terms of you know, looking at it from a military presence. So as a side note here, if we have anyone listening or watching this that uh, knows this data or likes to research data, please email us because um, we have questions <laughs> and we need answers because this is just part of us like, you know, exploring a new market, talking about, I mean, you know, a while ago as a total side note, notice, you know, Jenna, you and I were talking about just, you know, hey, how, you know, continuing, how can we better serve our clients? How can we grow the team? Hey, people are asking about Pueblo. Should we go down there or not? And we just debated all this. And this is just part of like, well, let's learn about it, figure it out. So if anyone down there is an expert or knows this data, please let us know because we are not, but we are very interested in learning, uh, learning this stuff. So this would be great if someone knows the data or has the time to dig into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that pops out to me is these green boxes right here, professional, scientific, and technical services. That to me makes me assume that it's probably government contractors like your Lockheed, mm. um, you know, those types of professionals because they're not military members. They're, you know, part of the uh, gen pop. Um, so I'm thinking that's probably relating to that. So, you know, auxiliary military type uh, situations right there. But yeah, just for everyone who's listening, it, it probably makes a lot more sense to check out the blog or check out the YouTube for the, the visual of the employment situation. 
So with employment, it's also important, in my opinion, to look up unemployment. So I, I was very curious to see what the unemployment rate was was looking like for, for these three, um, Colorado Springs Pueblo and then the the national average as the baseline. Um, so if we kind of look at this graph, uh, from 1990 to 2020, um, Pueblo tends to have a higher unemployment rate compared to the national average in Colorado Springs. So I think that's really important to note. And then also national unemployment, which also include or also including Colorado Springs and Pueblo were steadily decreasing until COVID Pueblo was decreasing at a faster rate. Um, specifically I'm looking around, I guess the 2012 to 2017, there was a very drastic drop. Um, you know, I, I don't remember how to figure out slope uh, from middle school, but I, I imagine that <laughs> that would probably uh, be a good one to uh, to look at right there for the rate of decrease. Um, and then, of course, when COVID hit, we actually do see Pueblo having a bit more drastic of an increase for unemployment. Yeah, I mean, Pueblo a few times has been in that 8 to 10% range, you know, 11% mm-hmm. range back in 2009, 11, 12. So basically this looks like a roller coaster graph for those, you know, listening, just up and down, up and down, up and down. But Pueblo is the same as national or a lot of times higher. And the Springs is the same as national or better from like a very visual Mm -hmm. standpoint. And this is one of the things that, you know, I, you know, just from the macro perspective, you know, you just, you want businesses, you want population growth, you want low unemployment. Like, I don't know how to quantify the risk on here, but from like going back to just when we took that bus tour years ago and actually saw properties, like, I get, well, I'm interested in a few minutes, but like, I felt like for the, I felt like a riskier market. I felt like there wasn't much more upside in cash flow and cap rates. Yep. I, I would totally agree. This chart does make me a little bit nervous from a, risk perspective for, for Pueblo, for sure. Um, you know, obviously you want all of your, the population, you want your tenants to be gainfully employed. Um, so if there's a, a larger risk that they might not be employed, that risk will ultimately fall on you as the landlord for sure. So another metric that I thought was important to capture is the population. I personally, I don't want to invest in a location that's losing people each year. Um, there's, that would be indicating to me that there's a reason why people are leaving. Um, I don't, you know, there could be for multiple reasons, but I want a, a population in upward trend personally. Um, I think so, that's the one most important thing is population growth. If I had to pick mm-hmm. one thing, I would, that would be the thing. Is it growing or shrinking? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, do people want to live there? Do they not want to live there? It comes down to that as simple as it sounds, but I totally agree. Um, Colorado Springs, I I have a a 20 year chart basically. So from 2000 to 2019, Colorado Springs went from 540,000 residents to 745,000 residents. That's really large in my opinion. Um, it's It's a really big jump. Pueblo, 
while increasing is increasing at a slower rate. So it's at a, it started at 141,000 residents and we're up to 168,000 residents now for Pueblo um, as of 2019. So, you know, I think that you could best summarize that as Colorado Springs, it's been a more intense population growth. Um, and from what I'm simply observing, I think that it's potentially exceeding the available homes for sale and for rent. Um, because people are just competing, you know, I, I, I know our team likes to use the musical chairs analogy where, uh, there's, you know, one chair and 10 people trying to sit on it. So that's basically where we are with, um, Colorado Springs housing at the moment. Um, Pueblo has seen population growth over the last 20 years, but at a much steadier pace than Colorado Springs, um, which has seen immense growth um, over 20 years. So this kind of made me think, well, if Colorado Springs is growing at such a fast rate that we're not able to meet the housing supply that's needed to house all of its residents, um, should we expect continued growth in nearby cities such as Pueblo? Um, That's what kind of came to my, my mind in that case. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see, you know, I mean, that logic makes makes sense. But going back to, I did some quick math. So Colorado Springs, last 20 years, the population grew 38%, approximately, and Pueblo mm-hmm. grew 18%. So both growing, just say you said Colorado Springs grew a lot more. Yeah. So then rental statistics. This was really interesting um, because I know I, t- I talk a lot about what are median rents and then what are median rents in comparison to the median monthly income? Um, I think that's really important from an affordability standpoint. Um, most landlords use the three times rent rule, meaning that uh, someone's monthly income needs to be three times the rent rate. Um, and that is just a general affordability rule of thumb. Of course, it's not, you know, in stone or anything, but I would say most people use that as, as a uh, qualification to rent a property. So if we're looking um, in median rents, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, 2015, Colorado Springs median rent, and this is for, I, I believe it was a two bedroom um, when I pulled the data, was 924. Pueblo was 653. And we are seeing steady increase on both ends. Colorado Springs is at 1243 and Pueblo is at 861. So I did take um, per capita income and I applied that to the, the median rents. And I wanted to see what the percentage of rent to monthly income was for each of these years based on the median rents here um, for each Colorado Springs and Pueblo. Um, so as we can see without, you know, rattling off all the numbers here, both cities are seeing less, uh, affordable, um, in comparison to monthly income, meaning that the rents are basically rising at a faster rate than, than someone's monthly income. Um, Colorado Springs was at 24% back in 2015 and ended 2019 at, 27.5%. I would be very curious to see 2021 as I would have to imagine it crosses over that 30% 
threshold based on what I'm seeing um, personally this year. And then Pueblo started 2015 at 22% and 2019 at 24%. So we're looking at 27% versus 24%. It's not a huge difference in terms of affordability, but it's something to take into account that Pueblo is um, numerically slightly more affordable to someone who lives and works in Pueblo versus someone who lives and works in Colorado Springs. And this makes sense so far, like just kind of what we had looked at when we did that Pueblo tour years ago is, you know, Denver is kind of leading edge. And then, you know, Colorado Springs and Pueblo, just in terms of, like a lot of the metrics were the same from the graph, mm-hmm. you know, like Colorado Springs was trailed Denver by a year or two. And then so would Pueblo. And just very interesting. And this is a lot of the same stuff, similar ratios, similar you know, in that perspective, but similar upwards, upward trends and, and growth like that. Mm-hmm. So, it's so far, very it's very interesting. interesting. Yeah. So I know one of the questions that you asked me is, what can I buy for $50,000 cash in Pueblo? I know we used to say Colorado Springs, which you can't really get much of anything uh, as a you know peer investment uh, as opposed to a, an owner-occupied Probably, probably can't get much of anything in Denver. I imagine maybe a condo, right? Uh, yeah, like a like a, a studio or one bedroom condo is about it. Um, it it's going <laughs> to okay. get, get pretty tight there. But let's stop here because the reason I want to ask this is because you know you've had more people asking you. I've had more people asking me as well. And kind of my logic has been, you know, you know, I think Pueblo will be a good long term market, but I think Denver and Springs are just more robust. I'd rather kind of place my money in, in one of those markets versus Pueblo. But it brings up the question of, hey, if I've only got this amount of capital and it's going to take me a couple of years more to save up or another year or two to save up for enough money to buy in the springs, well, what's the opportunity cost as far as getting in the game? And that's where Pueblo becomes very interesting to me is if, hey, if you, if you know the local market or it just really meets the cash you have, it might be the best use of your money right now to invest just because you can go out there and, and buy into a growing market. We get understanding it might be a little more ups and downs along the way. But you're still gonna, I would imagine, do very well over the long run, just because it's a it's a growing market as we can see. I completely agree. I think it's a very reasonable option for people to consider, um, for sure. So let's do this. So fifty thousand dollars, you know, total cash value, down payment, closing costs, that type of thing. Denver, you can buy like a one bedroom, maybe a two bedroom condo, sub two hundred thousand, assuming a twenty five percent down payment. That's about what you can buy in Denver, you know, house hacking and owner rock aside. For 50K, mm-hmm. what's the main stuff that people could get in the Springs, Jenny? A townhome. Okay. Um, a smaller townhome with probably 15% down at this point, um, just because townhome prices have, have gone up quite a bit. So condos and townhomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the occasional single family if it's 15% down, but those are getting harder and harder to find. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So this particular property that I found, I just you know went on went on the MLS and took a peek at it. Um, it is a single family home. I believe it was a three bed, one and a half bath. I think um, it was near the Riverwalk project, which that drew my attention too because that's you know I think there's a lot of development going on down there. So this to me would be an interesting property to. Uh, to look further on just based on 
potential upward swing. And then um, as a rental property itself, it's a single family home with, with three beds. So that that's usually pretty desirable to people. So just going through our normal analysis spreadsheet, 20% down, it was listed at 180,000. We have a loan and acquisition costs at about 6,500. So putting 20% down, we have a down payment of 36,000 and a total initial investment to include all your, your closing costs at 42,5. So we're all in at 42,5 at this point. Um, I just put an interest rate of 3.875. That's what people have been seeing, um, you know, as of this week. So we'll, we'll just put that in there. And then, uh, I did a rentometer report because I admittedly don't know a whole lot about the intricacies of rent rates down there. And it, it came back pretty strongly at, uh, 1200 a month. Um, and then we just put in our usual, um, inputs here, but you know, I don't know, based on talking, I might increase the vacancy factor a little bit, um, just because we have, you know, agreed that there's a little bit more risk, uh, from an employment perspective. So that might be worth increasing a little bit, um, annual rent increase based on the prior slide. We're actually looking at about 6% a year. Um, so that's, you know, I think 3% is adequate. Um, and then we just have appreciation rate at five. Um, I do have management in here at 10% and then an 8% monthly reserves, no HOA. Um, I was shocked, but the annual taxes rounded up to 400 a year. And, um, I just put $700 as the best guess for property insurance. And if we just kind of look at the, the summary that we have going here, as I mentioned, we have an all-in cash investment of 42500 and net operating income of 10276 minus your mortgage payments gives you an annual cash flow before taxes of 2150 which gives us a cash-on-cash cash return of 5.1%. A cap rate of 5.7%. Um, so I have in bold text down here. I said, yes, for shy of $43,000 down for closing and a down payment plus six months of operating costs and reserves for this property, you can buy this property for $50,000 cash. So, I mean, those numbers, are, I mean, they're good. Um, yeah, I so think that, so. I would say so far, my my opinion kind of stays the same. Like, I wouldn't go to Pueblo just to get, you know, a half a point higher cap rate than here, the Springs or seven tenths of a point higher cap rate. But if my total capital investment is kind of limited to there, I would definitely look down there now. Cause I know one mm -hmm. thing too, you know, we've talked with, with Leah, who's, you know, on her team in Southern Colorado, she grew up in Pueblo, lives in Springs now. And I've talked to her a few times about some clients have, have asked me questions, like, I don't know, let's, let's call Leah. Let's see what's going on. And I mean, if she very much knows like, hey, some locations, hey, this is near downtown, this is this, like these are hot locations. And I think once mm -hmm. you have that, that intimate knowledge, which I don't have, but fortunately it does, you know, that becomes a very attractive in investment then. Um, I agree. You know, definitely that much more than like the stuff east of 25 down there. 
but in those in those locations like that's where numbers like this knowing the locations and you know uh, having it work for the amount of capital I have or for a client that's where it becomes really interesting to me yeah i mean fifty thousand dollars that's it's not an insignificant amount no. of cash and you know but like we said it's, it's just getting harder and harder to be able to if, if that's your, your, your max, it's just getting really difficult to be able to uh, put that towards the Denver, Colorado Springs property. So I think in that case, as long as you buy right, um, I think that you have a very good chance of getting a very good return um, in Pueblo, especially on a single family home. That's what a lot of people like to invest in. So I think that's a really, really cool opportunity um, you know, like we have on our, uh, return on investment quadrant, 36 and a half percent for the first year. Yeah. Pretty I mean, good return on 50 K in my opinion. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That, yeah. I mean, all right. So this is, I mean, a great presentation, Jenny. So what kind of, what's the conclusion or what other data do you have? So just to kind of wrap everything up, both Colorado Springs and Pueblo, they're strong markets, um, especially when using the national average as a baseline. They're both growing at a faster rate than the national year-over-year HPI growth. That is a positive um, attribute, in my opinion. Um, and Pueblo has a lot of other positive metrics that it has going for it um, as a potential market for buy-and-hold investors to consider. For example, over the last 10 years, Pueblo has a lower HPI. So I'm kind of attributing that to as cost to enter the market um, than both the Colorado Springs market and the national average. And it's been continually trending upward and uh, starting to at a greater rate than Colorado Springs during this time. Um, And then lastly, the population of Pueblo is steadily increasing and the per capita income and rent rates are increasing at a pace in which rental homes are still affordable using the three times rent rule um, as an average. So to sum this up in you know two sentences, Pueblo is a growing market, has a lower price point for both cost center and rent rates. So this ultimately makes it a viable consideration for long-term buy and hold investors in my opinion. All right, so the punchline is we keep exploring the market. So, you know, if, if clients or, you know, potential clients out there, if anyone has questions, reach out to us. We're happy to pass on the knowledge we have, get you connected with Leah, explore the market. Uh, but also, if you know the market in Pueblo really well or know some of this data or, or want to be involved with it, please reach out as well. We're very much just in the active, like, learning and growing phase of it. And again, we love working with members of our community, of the listenership, of the podcast. So please reach out. Jenny, I'm really impressed with what you did here. So, so thank you. Um, I know this took work and this was great. I, I learned a lot. So thank you a lot. Thanks, Chris. All right. Have a great one, Jenny. Bye everyone.